Hey there, everyone. Welcome to the show. It is Denise. You are watching Speak Now Pro Wrestling Saturday, December 17th. Now, I know I'm not usually live on Saturday mornings. However, as I mentioned earlier this week, I would be recapping this edition of Friday Night Smackdown and AEW Rampage on Saturday versus Friday night because I was at GCW, America's Most Wanted, last night, which was a crazy show. I will talk about it later today. Um, we had a pretty good time. Uh, at GCW, I had a great time and I can't I wait to at least touch on that just a bit. But uh, obviously, I didn't want to miss out on talking about SmackDown and Rampage, especially keep it going. You know, I don't like to miss days. So I wanted to make sure to do this stream. Now, uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And let's see what we got here. Uh, I know people are just starting to come on in. People are probably like, what? What's she doing here on a Friday? What's going on? I mean, on a Saturday, what is this? Uh, but shout out to Steven, who's in here, Fernando, who's in here, Maria, who's in here, Ender, Major Blood, YT. Um, let's get into it, guys. We got SmackDown and rampage to talk about here today this will probably be a short stream just because uh it'll be a short stream but for the most part we got some pretty good stuff to talk about i thought we had a pretty solid night of some really great action on smackdown i thought smackdown was really good uh this uh this friday i thought it was really good actually so let's go ahead and jump on in we opened up smackdown with the wwe women's tag team champions uh damage control the team of dakota kai and eo sky taking on Liv morgan and tegan knox for the titles now, here's the thing I want to start off by saying about this one. There is so much that I'm really enjoying about Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox being a tag team. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Liv Morgan, after losing the SmackDown Women's Championship, really the only thing they've kind of been doing with her is showing that she's crazy and she's hardcore and she likes to do all of these things, right? But there hasn't really been much out. So unfortunately, uh, you're kind of just left with Liv Morgan like uh, on a weekly basis, just doing like random things. I didn't really feel like they were um I don't know, maybe like obviously going from being SmackDown Women's Champion to anything else is going to be, you know, different. So the fact that they had her teaming up with Tegan Knox here, Tegan Knox, who just, you know, returned to WWE. Dude, I really liked this pairing. I feel like they got to keep it going. Um, I could see this program continuing a lot more between them and Damage Control, literally just because we've talked about this before. But the women's tag team division is feels it feels pretty dang slim. So having people uh, team up like Liv Morgan and Tegan Knox, I feel like this is beneficial, not just for both of them, but also for the women's tag team division itself. So I was a big fan of seeing them team up uh, here today. I thought the match was good. I liked that they recapped uh, some of the history between Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox from NXT. Obviously, that wasn't something that they really did in the Vince McMahon era of things. But uh, this time, you know, this was something that they actually spoke about on commentary, which was very enjoyable to uh, kind of hear. Um, so for the most part, I love this. There were some good moments in this. I love when Liv Morgan did the Sunset Flip power bomb. I believe she did it on EO, if I remember correctly. And um, we did have somebody in a black hood and a black clothing come in and hit Tegan Knox in the in the head. Um, I don't know if anybody has any theories on 
who that is or what happened there. Um, and for me, I'm thinking like, okay, I don't, I don't know what's going on there. Wh what is it? Is it Bailey? Is it somebody else? I don't know. Um, all I want to say is that I did enjoy this match. They gave them a whole lot of time. I, I think it was like 10 minutes or so. Um, but it was still a pretty good length for this match. And also for it being the opener, it felt pretty damn good. So I was a big fan um, of that. We got a comment here from Ender Buckley who says, Liv always seems to find a good dynamic with tag teams. She does. Um, she definitely, uh, they, they balance themselves out really nicely. And I think that's what I primarily enjoyed. Uh, definitely. So thank you so much to Ender Buckley for sending this in. They, uh, oh, oh, thank you, everybody. So there was a digital media exclusive showing that it was Zia Lee. So I'm going to be honest with you guys. I never watched a digital media exclusive clips ever, <laughs> like ever, unless it's something that I have to have to have to watch, which usually the digital media exclusives, you don't really have to. Uh, so it was Zia Lee. Okay. Um, that's cool. All right. I have no issue with that whatsoever. Zia Lee is also somebody on the SmackDown roster that, you know, she's there, but that's about it. Like they need to, you know, give her a little bit more juice, do something a little bit more there. Uh, so thank you to everybody who is up to date and uh, knew that it was Zia Lee. All right. Well, that's fine. That adds to it. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and continue on from here. Let's get into Allie Knight and Bray Wyatt. So I'm going to be real with you guys. Um, I'm not feeling this. And I recognize that this is not my necessarily my forte. And I also recognize that you have to have different things on a show, you know, that classifies entertainment and whatnot. And, uh, you know, for a lot of people, this is pretty entertaining stuff. For me, it's not really the thing I love most. And I kind of found this, there were some aspects of this that I liked. I like seeing the clip of, you know, Ellie Knight being kidnapped, which sounds horrible, but they show this like TikTok clip in TikTok video format where he is, they was, it was this QR code that revealed the clip, right? But you see LA Knight basically being tied down and he's got tape over his mouth. The dude, the dude's been kidnapped, right? And then afterwards, after we see that clip, Ali Knight walks out there. He goes out there and he basically calls out Bray Wyatt because he's obviously clearly pissed off about, you know, what happened to him and whatnot. So Bray Wyatt finally comes out in person. Good. I liked this. I, you know, they've been doing so much of just the backstage stuff that you do need to go out there, you know, put Bray Wyatt out there with the people. I loved the presentation of this with all the fog and everything. It looked pretty moody as he was talking and this and that, right? Um, and this is where I stopped liking things because, or actually a little bit afterwards. So Bray comes out and he basically tells um, Ellie Knight that he's sick of all of these little games. He says that he's not going to essentially uh, hurt Ellie Knight. He's not going to hurt him and he promises not to touch him, etc. So then Ellie Knight goes in and attacks Bray Wyatt and literally stomps him down all the way to the corner. And during this, this is where I stopped liking this, or maybe just a little bit before that. I really don't want to see Ellie Knight just stomp on uh, Bray Wyatt. No, it's not fun for me. Anyways, so during this, he's down there. He's sitting there. We get this, like, video, and then afterwards, we get Uncle Howdy. Uncle Howdy 
comes out in a, you know, living, breathing color comes out and uh, is just there with the whole Uncle Howdy getup that we've been seeing on these videos. And he's just laughing. He's just laughing. That's all he's doing. And then Bray starts laughing and everyone's laughing except for Ellie Knight, clearly. And Ellie Knight's just standing there going like, what the hell is happening right now? What is this, right? And um, this was this was not, it's not for me, guys. It's not for me. I don't want to just see people standing there laughing. And I get it. It's a slow build. It's a slow burn. I've got patience. I really do. But for this for me specifically, I'm not interested in Bray Wyatt Alley Knights to begin with. And uh, I want a little bit more in terms of I just want to see people come out and start laughing. That for me is not interesting at all. But I get it. They're playing mind games. That's what they're doing. I get the gist of it. I'm not an idiot. But it is a little bit uh, just a tad bit um, on the boring side for me. But Honestly, that's kind of about it. But let's see what people are saying uh, here today. Um, all right, let's see what people are saying about this. This is from Colm who says, thoughts on who Uncle Howdy is. Is he using Ellie Knight to draw the fiend from Bray Wyatt? To me, it feels like, to me, it feels like, you know, Uncle Howdy is essentially that person that is bringing out the, I guess, true identity of Bray Wyatt. Bray Wyatt, the identity that he doesn't want out there. Because that's essentially what we've been seeing in those video clips where he's coming out and he's talking about who Bray Wyatt really is and all of that. So that's what we're kind of seeing with all of this. It seems to be that Uncle Howdy at least from my standpoint and what we've heard in these videos and these vignettes and all of that is that he knows the true the true identity of who Bray Wyatt really is at the core, right? So it's fine. And then we get, you know, obviously the last couple of months, we've literally just gotten Bray Wyatt do these back and forth things where he snaps one moment, the other moment he's calm, then he snaps again, etc. Um, so I don't know how you guys really feel about all of this. Let's see what we got. This is from King Hueco Mundo who says, Ali Knight's character has been lost in WWE. He is a really great talker and all of that. I just don't necessarily know if considering how hot Bray Wyatt came back into the WWE and how, uh, you know, how just important things felt when he came in and what a big deal it felt. I don't necessarily know how many of us would have thought that LA Knight would be his first official program. And I don't like... There's a lot of potential there because obviously with Ellie Knight being new to the main roster, you want to get him, you know, something good, right? Something to get him going. Plus he has the personality to be able to do that. But that's about the extent of it all. In terms of like in-ring work, I don't really feel you're going to get some really phenomenal match between Bray Wyatt and Ellie Knight. So a lot of this is more so, uh, you know, obviously very, very storyline driven. But for the most part, if you know what, if you're like good with this and this is your thing, then by all means. But this one for me, it, it's it's not for me, guys. Unfortunately, I kind of was just like, all right, whatever. And um, all right, so let's go ahead and uh, move on from here. This is from, uh, let me read this comment from Ma uh, Major Blood who says, I'm kind of over the Bray Wyatt thing. I understand they're trying long-term storytelling, but this ain't it. It's been over two months now. That's it. And you know, you can tell that they have a plan. You can tell that they're like warming up and heating up two things, but that's about it, guys. There's nothing else there. Uh, the attacks, I think that, you know, that they've done on LA, on LA night have been pretty cool, but that's about it, everyone. 
and that's pretty much it. Uh, Major Blood, thank you so much for also sending in your opinion here today. Um, all righty, let's go ahead and move on from this. Let's get into, this was definitely the highlight of SmackDown. And it's crazy that it was just, you know, not even the main event, obviously, because we had the Bloodline close out SmackDown. But this was such a good match. And I'm so excited for just what they've been doing with Gunther and what they've been doing for Ricochet. Now, granted, I really did think that Santos Escobar should have been the one in this uh, spot that I thought he should have won this tournament. And I still think that. But regardless, I still think that Ricochet has been killing it. That match that he had with Santos was phenomenal. And then he's going into this match with Gunther. That was freaking phenomenal. So let's kind of talk about what actually took place during this match. So this one was good. And I'm going to start off by saying, if you didn't watch SmackDown and uh, you're just listening to the review or whatever, please go out of your way to watch this particular match because we got the best of both worlds. On Gunther's side, they keep him looking like a monster. They keep him looking like a beast. They keep him looking like somebody that will just kill you when you step into the ring with them. Then on Ricochet's side, you know, Ricochet for like the longest time was like the guy that could come out there and do cool moves, but that was it. Nothing more, nothing less, right? This time, it finally feels like they're, in this particular match, I would say, they made Ricochet feel different. They made him feel like somebody who can actually, you know, do more, just do more uh, beyond beyond uh, just being the guy that can do the cool moves that he's this guy that can go toe to toe legitimately against people like Gunther. So the fact that they kind of have been presenting Ricochet in this manner has literally been like the best thing they've had him do since he's been in WWE. Like I feel like this little portion here is the best thing we've seen for Ricochet uh, thus far uh and this was a classic match <laughs> i agree uh john here uh says classic match gunther i always feel so weird saying gunther gunther uh gunther kind of hate it so sometimes i just say gunther it depends um all right so let's talk about some highlights here because dang they had some good moments um immediately obviously we know ricochet's the high flyer so does gunther and he goes after the legs of ricochet right away um there's some really great moments there's one spot where gunther literally hits a drop kick on um and Ricochet, and Ricochet sells that so well because the dude just like flips, right? So it looked really great. Um, on top of this, there was a moment where Gunther hits numerous clotheslines on Ricochet. He goes for the pin and Ricochet definitely, you know, he kicks out. Then we see uh, Ricochet hit a vertical suplex. Gunther kicks out after this. We see Ricochet go for a shooting star press, goes for the pin again. Gunther kicks out. So they did a lot of these big, big moments that you thought were going to be the ending for both Gunther or Ricochet. And then it wasn't. So they did a really good job of teasing uh, those near falls. There was a moment where uh, Ricochet chops Gunther. And you see Gunther at one point. He is like winding down right you're seeing this big guy start to look a lot heavier and he's winding down but um it's just at that moment not enough here finally finally we see gunther chop ricochet like 
massively, guys. I can't even explain it to you, okay? He just chops, like, the soul out of him. And then he grabs him, and he power bombs him, and you just see Ricochet kind of go into this, like, really small space. Uh, he goes for the pin, and freaking Ricochet kicks out. And I thought, I couldn't believe it. After that, the chop and the power bomb and Ricochet kicking out, I, honest to God, could not believe it at this point. Finally, Gunther just snaps. Something in him just snaps and he kind of takes it to the next level and he just starts slapping the hell out of Ricochet. Finally, he ends up getting the win and this was a phenomenal match, everyone. Uh, Braun Strowman did come out afterwards. Obviously, they're still building towards uh, Gunther and Braun Strowman. Um, I have a chance, I have a feeling we're going to end up seeing Braun Strowman be the one to take the title off of Gunther. But I'm going to be honest with you, I don't want to see that. I am more interested in seeing Gunther defeat Braun Strowman than I am seeing Braun Strowman defeat Gunther. Uh, personally, I just have way more interest in Gunther and what he can do in the ring uh, in comparison to Braun Strowman. And I don't want to knock Braun Strowman at all because I, you know, I like Braun Strowman. I think he's a very exciting guy when he's out there and, you know, people really get behind him and the cool stuff that he does. But Gunther, he's just for me, man. Like, He's more of, you know, the kind of person that I want to root for, you know? Um, all right, let's see what else we got here. This is from, uh, this is a comment here from The Rock Cold Taker who says, I'd rather they move off the high-flying stuff a little bit, but if uh, Ricochet is going to tell that kind of story in the ring, then I'll watch Ricochet any day of the week. They did a lot of really good, uh, you know, storytelling with this match here. Uh, I really liked it, honestly, really good stuff. Um, alrighty, and let's go ahead and move on from here. Let's get, oh, we got a super chat. Thank you so much to Sheldon Jackson. Once again, guys, you already know the drill. If you send in a super chat, it helps support the show. Sheldon says, that intercontinental match felt like a classic match that we used to see in the golden age of NXT. The intercontinental title feels important and like the workhorse title again. Um, Gunther has just done wonders for that belt, honestly. He has made that belt feel important again. That was a big issue with both the United States title and the Intercontinental title. So the fact that he's gone out there and he's just had this like streak of really entertaining matches, it has done so much for this belt again. And I saw a couple of people bringing this up on Twitter saying that they felt that this was like an NXT level type of match. And I think it was definitely there. It, definitely there because it, it was good. It was really good. And they need to keep it going, man. They need to keep the ball going with this because I said this last week when we saw Santos and um, and Ricochet or the week before that when we saw Santos and uh, Ricochet. I remember when they did that finals, the finals of the tournament, I just remember saying they need to keep doing matches like this on SmackDown because I'm now at the point where I'm kind of digging SmackDown just a tad bit more uh, than Raw. And I know Raw is, you know, obviously so much longer and, you know, they do do a lot on that show. But right now with some of the performances that we've been seeing on SmackDown, I feel like that is starting to uh, stick out to me just a little bit more in terms of the quality of what we're seeing. So shout out to SmackDown because they went through a really rough period. We were here when they went through that really rough period. Uh, thank you so much to Shelton Jackson for sending in this uh, super chat here. Uh, we got Zup Chile who also agrees with me saying that Gunther should be the one, should beat Braun Strowman. Uh, Major Blood says, I don't want to see Gunther's reign ever end. With Roman doing his thing, Gunther has put such a huge spotlight back on, his on this title. Completely agree, guys. Completely agree. 
Um, all right, moving on from this. All righty, this one here. We got Hit Row versus Legado del Fantasma and the Viking Raiders. So, man, this one was all Legado del Fantasma. Uh, they did this match. Any portion of this match that was entertaining was legitimately because of them. They went out there. They were doing some cool stuff. They did like a double torneo um, that looked phenomenal. Um, they were just going out there and doing cool shit, okay? And with that being said, how do I say this? I'm starting to feel like I'm losing a little bit, just a tad bit of hope in terms of the direction that I was hoping for Legado del Fantasma in its entirety. It's in its entirety, the entire group. Because they came in there and they were, the presentation of them has been great. Like they go out there, they, they are dressed the part, they got the charisma, they walk out with a lot of swagger. And when I saw Santos lose to Ricochet, I thought, damn, he really needed that. Like that would have been such a great opportunity to propel him, especially because we had already seen Gunther and Ricochet. Okay. Then for this match here, like I said, Joaquin, uh, Joaquin Wilde and uh, Cruz del Toro, they were the one, they've changed their names so many times. I'm like, ah, um, they went out there and they legitimately had the most interesting things, right? But then you have them be the ones to take the L to uh, Hit Row. Now, I'm going to be completely honest here, but Hit Row just did not, this was not it for them today. It was not a good look. It was not a great match for them today uh, or last night. Uh, Top Dollar unfortunately had that uh, spot that just did not work out the way that, you know, he had hoped it worked out. It was actually pretty funny because commentary, I think it was Michael Cole was like, I guess there's a reason he doesn't do that often. Uh, he went over the top rope, sort of, because uh, unfortunately he didn't get enough like air, enough, you know, what he needed to properly execute that. And it looked really bad. Instead, he like barely, like this is a rope and like this is his body going over. And then he doesn't even land on anybody. He pretty much just lands in the ring, which could have been, you know, really awful for him. Uh, so thankfully, you know, he didn't get hurt or anything like that. But obviously all the guys, they sell it, right? They sell it. And I'm like, oh, obviously I get it, right? But it just looks so bad. I had, to, I watched this like five times on replay. On replay, I just kept rewinding to see this. Um, and it was just not a good look. And then on top of that, you have them get the win here. And I'm thinking they did the least, like they had, they gave me like the least amount of interest like they didn't do anything that I thought was good in this match that I thought was interesting and then had that botch. So unfortunately, I'm looking at this and I'm like, damn, uh, it's starting to feel to me. And also like Viking Raiders, they just like came back. Even them getting the win, I think would have been something here. I don't know. I didn't like the direction of this match. Um, Somebody on Twitter did bring up a um, somebody on uh, Twitter did bring up a good point saying, though, that they kind of felt like this would be because uh, now the uh, hit row is going to go and get a title shot against the Usos next week. So granted, they're getting this title shot, but somebody somebody brought up a point of saying like, you know, 
it kind of feels just like a, you know, you know that Pit Row's not going to defeat the Uso. So, okay, fine. You know, they can use, you know, they can build up to Legado and the Usos later on, or they can do Viking Raiders, the Usos later on, whatever, right? But personally, I just kind of felt like it was a little bit, oh, I don't like to see the best guys in the match be the ones to have to take the L, especially in, in a match like this. So make what you will. I do hope that they don't uh, use them as like, I hope they don't keep them in the same position. I really hope that they actually do something more with Legado the entirety of the group, okay? They got something there, and I hope they actually utilize it and move forward with it. But yeah, guys, it was it hasn't been too great right now for a hit row, unfortunately. And um, alrighty, so we got Sami Zayn and the Bloodline closing out the show. Throughout the entire night, we have, uh, you know, they're teasing that Roman Reigns is going to go out there and make Sami Zayn an official member of the Bloodline, uh, Sami Uso. And Sami's getting all dressed up. He comes out there with his uh, top bun, his blazer, his beard is groomed. He's talking about how great he looks backstage, um, this and that. We have some... Uh, Backstage segments where Jimmy and Jay Uso are talking to Roman Reigns about the decision that he's going to be making. They finally get out there and Roman Reigns is like, you know, today was going to be a really good day for you, Sammy. But uh, given that we have a Kevin Owens problem, we, you know, we can't really move forward from there. He says, you having a Kevin Owens problem is a problem for all of us. So then he says he's going to team up with Sammy Zayn. In order to take on Kevin Owens and whoever Kevin Owens wants to team up with, right? And there's a moment where Sami Zayn starts to kind of uh, contradict himself a little bit because he starts to talk about how, you know, he's, he's Kevin Owens' only friend. And then Roman Reigns is like, only friend is is as in present terms. And so Sami Zayn catches that and he starts going back on what he's saying. And he's like, no, 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 like, no, no, like, you know, we were friends, this and that. And he's trying to dig himself out of a hole. And while he's doing that, uh, John Cena pops out out of nowhere via video. So on the Tron, he pops up and he basically says that he got a text message from Kevin Owens and that Kevin Owens brought up that he hasn't had a match this year and he doesn't want to essentially ruin the streak that John Cena has been on of having a, you know, wrestling every year. So John Cena's like, okay, I'm going to team up with you and, you know, continue my streak and wrestle in 2022. So John Cena is teaming up with Kevin Owens to take on Roman Reigns and Sami Zayn on the December 30th episode of SmackDown. And I got to tell you, I'm really looking forward to this one. I think it's going to be really, really enjoyable because uh, all of these four guys are really fun to watch and it feels exciting. The team getting to see John Cena and Kevin Owens team up together is exciting to me. So I really like that this, they made uh, this matchup here. So for the most part, I thought that the Bloodline stuff, um, it worked out really nicely to get to this point to announce this match here. Uh, let's see what we got here. This is from Maria who says, um, this segment was another classic segment from the blood, Bloodline, especially the pleasant surprise at the end with the return of loyalty, hustle, and respect. Um, all righty. <laughs> Uh, Juan Ortega says, Denise saying that Legado did some wicked offense. IDK, Denise Usades, and Commander Wrestle Life. So, 
Before I get to Rampage, I am going to talk a little bit about GCW, guys, because Juan Ortega, you know what's up. You know what's up. You know where I'm going with that, with that. But I'll talk about that in just a minute, okay? Um, all right. Before we move on to Rampage, I need to talk about what's been promoted for SmackDown next week. We got Ricochet and Braun Strowman are going to be going on and taking on Imperium in a miracle on 34th Street fight. Plus, a number one contender's gauntlet match featuring Emma, Raquel, Tegan Knox, Liv Morgan, Sonya Deville, and Zia Lee. Also, the undisputed tag team champions, the Usos, against Hit Row. Then on the December 30th episode of SmackDown, we are going to be having that match. John Cena, Kevin Owens against Roman and Sami Zayn. Um, all right. Uh, you know what? Let me get into Rampage and then I'll talk some GCW so that I, I don't feel rushed talking about it. Um, all right. Rampage. We only got a couple of things to talk about here, but let's get into it. John Moxley versus Sammy Guevara. Now, John Moxley is, the, is a guy that you're always seeing bleed constantly, right? It's been a thing. We know this. And Sammy Guevara is, you know, he does what Sammy Guevara does. He does a lot of high-flying type of stuff, etc. This match was kind of both of those things intertwined, except more so uh, a John Moxley thing where this went, this was an entertaining match, but it was very, very, there, had, there was some very, very gross moments during this match and that's the best way that I can explain it um there was a lot that went down here first of all they started fighting on the outside because uh we had a moment where uh Moxley had Sammy Guevara on the barricade and he ends up clotheslining Sammy Guevara off the barricade they continue to fight outside a little bit finally they get back into the ring Moxley's chopping Sammy Sammy kind of returns the favor to him and then Sammy so there's a moment where Moxley bites Sammy Guevara we've seen this a lot John Moxley likes to bite people we see that constantly but this time Sammy took a page out of John Moxley's book and decided during, I think it was during the picture in picture where he's biting the dude's ear. Okay. And then this continues. We come back from the picture in picture and he is, dude, he's like chowing down on that ear at this point. Like he spent so much time putting his mouth on John Moxley's ear. It was disgusting. It looked like he was eating his ear. Okay. It was so gross. Now you guys know this. I love blood. I love violence. I love all of that stuff. I have been known for this. Everybody tells me all the time, like, how do you like so much blood and violence? I love it. With that being said, I hated this. Oh, it was so disgusting. And mainly because after the biting and everything that he was doing to John Moxley's ear, he then goes out and makes out with Ty. He's literally blood on his mouth, biting this grown man's ear. And then... He, it's all bloody and disgusting. And then he goes and kisses Ty in the mouth. And you see all the blood on Ty's mouth. No, no. That is where I draw the line. I draw the line at making out with somebody else's blood in your mouth. It was so gross. I was cringing during this. Uh, granted, I enjoyed all of the action and everything in between. But the, the making out after biting his ear and all of that. Oh, that was disgusting. Um, really gross. Um, it was not something that I really uh, enjoyed there. Um, 
Dang. All right. But there was some other good stuff here. We see Sammy do a senton on Moxley on the table to the outside. Moxley clothesline Sammy sends Sammy practically, you know, flipping over like a zillion times. Sammy does the death rider, goes to the top, hits a, a senton, uh, goes for a pin. It's a near fall. Eventually, we do see John Moxley get the win here. And then he calls out Hangman Adam Page. They fight. Uh, staff breaks them up. Uh, this was pretty fun because... Well, they've been doing this. They break them up too fast. And this was something that I was talking about in the last show. But this time they clarified it a little bit better where they were like, Hangman Page isn't cleared. He shouldn't be out there, you know, fighting with John Moxley. They're doing this for his safety. Um, so there was a really funny moment, too, where Hangman hits a buckshot lariat on a security guard. And it's funny because it just happened so fast that you could it looked visually really funny because it was he was trying to get at John Moxley, but in trying to do so, he had to take out the security. And then he just hits the buckshot lariat on the security guard. And that was probably my favorite part. But this was this was Sammy Guevara and John Moxley was entertaining, but gross. And then the stuff afterwards with Hangman Adam Page and John Moxley was very, very entertaining. So that was all good stuff there. And Major Blood says, Deathmatch, Denise draws the line at making out with bloody mouth. It's true, guys. It's true. Ain't nobody here watching the show is going to make out with anybody with blood, especially blood that's not even theirs. Blood that belongs to somebody else. Like, I don't even think, like, I wouldn't kiss somebody even if it was their own blood and I love that person. No thanks. Uh, so I ain't going to kiss anybody when they have their mouth they have a, their mouth with blood from somebody else. It's even worse. Blech. All right, so that's where I draw the line. Doppelganger399 says, Sammy with Mox's blood on his tongue, me trying to eat during the show. Oh, dude, if you were snacking during this part, you are better off just not, just, just don't eat, don't eat. Um, all right, but either way, it was a good start to the show. It, was, it definitely got the people uh, talking, that's for sure. Uh, afterwards, we got FTR going out there. They cut a promo. Uh, Dax flashes and he moons the crowd because he's letting us know that he broke his, quote, ass bone during his match against the Briscoe, their match against the Briscoes at final battle. And they're talking about how they're very appreciative of, you know, the support that they've gotten this whole year. And they said it's their best year in wrestling. And then they address the gun club. I like the way that they address the gun club because they called them uh, these kids with daddy issues. That was really funny. And there's also a moment where Dax Harwood is talking about his daughter and his daughter's reaction to, uh, you know, how the crowd reacts to them. And Dax was expecting one thing. And then his daughter is like, why do the people like you? You know? And so I thought that was pretty funny too. But for the most part, they go out there, they address the gun club and that's pretty much it there. Um, Jade Cargill seems like there is some dissension unfolding between her and Red Velvet with uh, Layla Gray kind of being a little bit of a drama starter. Uh, she was showing a clip to Jade Cargill about Red Velvet, I guess, not, you know, looking too interested in what they were doing, kind of looking like she was, you know, making a bad face, this and that. I forgot what Jade Cargill said verbatim, but basically kind of turning the tables between turning Jade and Red Velvet against one another there. And she starts fixing Jade Cargill's hair. And I actually kind of like this because low key, 
this is kind of legit. There are some like female friendships where you have that one person in the group that's just like trying to cause drama with, you know, with the other girls. You see that. You definitely see that. So that was what Layla's role in this was. And Red Velvet was kind of just like, whatever. So I'm expecting to see Jade and Red Velvet circle back. And, you know, they have history. We already know this. They have history. So you could easily circle back uh, to that. But there you go. All righty. We got Britt Baker versus Sky Blue. Most of this match was on the picture in picture. We didn't really get to. And now I'm going to be honest with you guys. You know this. I don't watch the picture in picture too much. I Picture in picture for me is like fast forward. Let me wait until we actually get into the match. So I feel like I got to see really nothing here. Uh, Britt Baker ends up winning. Uh, after she hits a stomp on Sky Blue, and then afterwards she locks in the lockjaw. Hikaru Shida comes in, she runs in with her kendo stick, uh, ends the beatdown or the lockjaw on uh, Sky Blue. She has this confrontation with Jamie Hayter because they're going to be having their match at uh, Holiday Bash. So this was fine. I really wish we would have gone, maybe I shouldn't have fast forwarded the, the picture in picture, but <laughs> that's that's my fault <laughs> that's legitimately my fault but for the most part this kind of felt very uh in and out quick and go type of thing uh yeah all righty and we also got wardlow defeating exodus prime and guys this is just the same thing with wardlow the quick squashes like always i've said this before on past shows i'm so over these matches that wardlow has that are the same Thing. my favorite matches is when he's in there with people that they mix it up and they do different things oh that's my favorite stuff to see with Wardlow but the quick squashes where he just goes out there and does the powerbomb symphony over it over over it over I know we haven't we're not seeing them as regularly as we were before but because we saw them so often and so regularly now anytime we get them I'm just like oh whatever this is not really gonna be a big deal on the show um so afterwards, Samoa Joe pops up on the screen, calls himself the king of television, and says that he won't be defending the TNT title in Texas, but that instead he will be doing it in Colorado. And they confirm Wardlow versus Samoa Joe, uh, December 28th, Dynamite. And the way that things are going right now with Wardlow and Samoa Joe, um, I'm more interested in Samoa Joe. I want to see Samoa Joe defeat Wardlow. Like I right now, my interest has gone very, very, my interest has lowered in Wardlow based on the booking that we've been seeing for him. I'm more interested in seeing Samoa Joe go out there and kick some butt like he did in that match with Darby Allen. That is what I'm most interested in. So I do not want to see Samoa Joe lose to Wardlow. Um, personally, that's where I'm at. I don't know if this is a popular, unpopular opinion, but it's my opinion. Uh, I go with my gut, guys. I go with my gut. Uh, whatever my gut says, that's where I go. Um, all right. And last but not least, we had Chuck Taylor and Trent Beretta and Dustin Rhodes and Orange Cassidy take on The Butcher and the Blade, Kip Sabian and Trent. Uh, this was fun. This was a fun little match. Good 10 minutes or so. Pretty much uh, a lot of these matches kind of start to feel the same. But we ended up seeing Dustin Rhodes uh, 
get trans with the bulldog and that's basically the finish for that but there's not much else i want to talk about in regards to the main event overall though a really rampage was worth watching for john moxley and sammy Guevara because that was pretty damn uh pretty damn good uh we got a lot of people saying uh oh we got a little bit of uh, people being torn here we got brian here saying samoa joe will job to wardlow uh zub chila says joe should be wardlow uh Ender Bunkley points out that they let Dustin shine here. Anytime you let Dustin Road shine, it's going to be good stuff um, with Dustin because he he he's just easy to how do I say this? His stuff is easy to enjoy. Um, all righty. Now, before we wrap things up, I do want to do a quick um, rundown of GCW from last night. Very quickly, just to share a couple of thoughts. Let me pull up the card. Sorry, guys. One second. Um, also. Next week, I will be here Tuesdays to chat NXT, my normal time. Um, Wednesdays, I will be here again for AEW Dynamite. And then Friday, I will be back at my normal time slot to cover SmackDown and Rampage. So I'm so glad I'm back to normal schedule next week. Woo, because I hate not doing normal schedules. It, it drives me nuts. Um, and then people are not used to it. So, you know, you got to get people used to it. All right. Last night, we had... GCW, America's Most Wanted in Los Angeles, the greatest city on earth, uh, at the Ukrainian Cultural Center. And dude, okay, I don't know how many of you guys, uh, you know, how many of you guys watch GCW or, you know, where it's at on your viewing or if you only watch for certain matches or if you only watch for their big shows or if you're a 5 Plus subscriber. I don't know what your, uh, you know, your deal is. So let me know in the uh, comments. But GCW put on a freaking banger last night. There was a match that I love so much, but they had the scramble match with Titus, uh, Nick Wayne, uh, Cartwheel, uh, Cole, Price, and Jordan. I really want to take a second to shout out Cartwheel, Titus Alexander, Nick Wayne, uh, Jordan Oliver. Man, they really went out there and they had such a fun match. Jordan, I mean, sorry, uh, 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 Jack Cartwheel, excuse me. Jack Cartwheel is um, literally, literally, if you haven't seen him wrestle yet, trust me, you're going to want to. I've interviewed him before because uh, the first time that I got to see him was at PWG when he wrestled Tony Deppin and he had a really phenomenal match there and he's just kept it going, guys. He's going to be a favorite. I can only imagine that it's only going to be a short time till you see him on AEW, uh, you know, doing just doing what he does because he has this background in gymnastics. So he goes out there and he just does some really cool stuff. And it's crisp. It's crisp. Like, that's the thing. When you see guys go out there and they do all of this stuff, there's some that, you know, don't look as crisp. And then there's some that really do look crisp. And uh, Jack Hartwell definitely has that. Um, so, yeah, shout out to him. Titus Alexander has been, like, vastly improving. Uh, Nick Wayne. Dude's awesome. You guys already know you're going to be seeing him in AEW pretty soon. So you best get familiar with Nick Wayne. Um, Starboy and Matt Cardona. That was pretty funny because we had Matt Cardona go out there. And obviously, Matt, like everyone's always hating on Cardona. That's just the way that it is there. But he had some pretty good lines against Starboy uh, where he's basically 
you know, talking about some of the great things that he's done in his career. And then Starboy was, you know, 15 years ago, couldn't even jerk off was his line that he said to Starboy. So it was pretty fun. Uh, the match I thought got pretty exciting because there were so many times that you thought Starboy, that you thought, that you thought Matt Cardona was going to just like destroy Starboy, but Starboy Charlie literally, and he's, and you know, he's, obviously smaller and in size in comparison to Matt Cardona. So they basically told that story there, which was fun to see. There was a moment where Matt Cardona even hit him with a low blow and Starboy Charlie actually kicked out of that. So he got a really good reaction and then he ended up actually getting the win on Matt Cardona, which was pretty fun to see. Uh, there was a triple threat between Sawyer Wreck, uh, Dark Sheik and Masha Slamovich. This one was pretty all right. I thought it was pretty entertaining. But the match that was legitimately match of the freaking nights guys this was one of the best matches that i have seen in probably since god i don't even know right now i can't even think um this was a really fun one it was literally uh team gringo loco which was gringo loco uh los vipers so gringo loco and los vipers against ares commander and asf i cannot stress this enough if you want to watch legitimately entertaining lucha watch this match okay i'm not even going to tell you who won no just go out of your way to watch this match it was so balls out crazy or i don't even know how to describe it it was everything that you could want uh in these types of matches uh pagano versus joey janela now for those of you guys who don't know pagano He's literally crazy. Like when he goes out there, you just don't know what to expect with Pagano. Who's somebody else that's like that? Joey Janela is also like that. So when I saw that this match was announced between Pagano and Joey Janela, I'm thinking, oh my God, what the hell are they going to do? Like, what are their minds going to create, right? And so we got Pagano and Joey Janela, and this was everything that you wanted it to be. It was literally just them going out there and literally trying to kill each other. Also, Joey Janela went out there with the 250 pounds, I think he said it was a python, a big old snake. I posted the videos on Twitter, and um, dude, I saw that snake up close because I went where they had that snake in the bin. And let me tell you, I've never seen a snake that big in my life uh, close up that way. Uh, so it was kind of crazy. And it was funny, too, because Joey Janela walked out with the snake, right? And he has it wrapped around him. And all the people are getting close to him. And you don't realize until they get really close that they're like, oh, shit, like this is a real snake. Let's back away a little bit. So first you kind of see people get all close to him. And then once they realize like, oh, this, this snake is legit, let me back away. Uh, that was pretty cool, too. They even had to take off the bottom rope just so that the snake could get like in or out. I think he broke it. It was weird. Uh, so, yeah, that was good stuff there, too. Uh, I would definitely go out of your way to see Pagano and Joey Janela, too. That was fun. Uh, Jimmy Lloyd and Willie Mack, another fun one. Um, really love what they do there. Effie and Charles Mason. Um, Macisos and Rockness, that was good, too. Depp and Engage, good, too. And then we got the Kingo versus uh, Christian Blake. Um, that one was fun, too. And that was obviously a dark match because the policy is that they don't want uh, Vikingos. Well, AAA doesn't want Vikingos matches to be streamed, which personally, I hate it. I hate that. Uh, I don't think it's a smart idea, but whatever, right? What can you do? Uh, especially with this day and age, I saw so many people 
literally with their phones out streaming the match. So I'm like, this match is going to get out either way. All of his matches are going to get out either way because everybody has a cell phone nowadays and you can easily just go on Facebook Live and stream it to your friends. So there's going to be ways that people can watch this stuff. It's just going to be obviously in like phone quality instead of actual legitimate, you know, video quality. So make what you will of that. But it was a pretty good time. It was fun to see Vikingo um, wrestle. That was my second time getting to see him wrestle live since I saw him wrestle at uh, Triple Mania. That was really fun because that one was the match that he had with Ray Phoenix, which was just nuts. But I also interviewed Hijo de Vikingo and we um, we had a nice 10 minute interview where we chatted about some good stuff. I'm still working on translating that match. I mean, that excuse me, the match, the interview. And as soon as I do that, I'm going to go ahead and post it up. But there you guys go. That was SmackDown. That was Rampage. And a quick review of GCW here tonight. Uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in on this random Saturday morning to chat some wrestling with me. And I will see you guys back here on F4W online on Tuesday. Thank you guys so much. Bye, everyone.